The following program was produced by Community Producer. The content, views, and opinions expressed are the sole responsibility of the Community Producer and do not reflect Malden Access Television, the City of Malden, or your cable provider. MATV welcomes your comments. Call us at 781-321-6400 or email us at access at matv.org. Hello, Malden, and welcome to another episode of 02148 Live from Studio B. I'm your host, Jerry Leone, and tonight we are awaiting a special guest, the Senator of the 5th Middlesex District, Senator Jason Lewis, and I just got word that he was leaving his Malden headquarters next door and walking over here, so we'll just await a few minutes. Uh, as you know, Jason Lewis had a primary back in September, and he defeated uh, a person by the name, from Melrose, Jen Hammer. And now Senator Lewis will face, in November's election, Aaron Calvo Bocci from the Republican Party. So we had people, I had people send me messages from Facebook to ask the senator some questions, and I will do that as soon as he arrives. So we'll just wait a few minutes. Uh, you can chime in on my phone now on Facebook or text me any questions you would like me to ask the senator. Uh, as the upcoming election approaches, remember to vote. Get out the vote. If you know any elderly person or someone that needs help to vote, uh, Help them do what you can. Call for a ride and make sure whatever you do, just get out the vote. And we'll wait a few minutes, as you see. Uh, this is the first time I've started off the show live with an empty chair, so it's uh, it, it looks funny. Uh, so I, I could be interviewing myself or, um, you know, open space. You know, I can turn this into a... A comedy show, uh, but as I'll, I'll mention to the folks at home that are watching, a reminder: um, I'm usually on on the fourth Wednesday, but I've taken over the second Wednesday slot, and I've been very fortunate enough to have two shows this month because uh, two weeks from tonight, October 24th, I'll have a chance to interview Senator Lewis's opponent. Aaron Calvo Bocci, so make sure you tune in. And you have two weeks from now to send me uh, messages of any questions you want to ask Aaron Calvo Bocci. And this should be a, a really... I know they had a debate in Wakefield. I don't know if any more debates will, will happen. I, I tried to get both of them on the show tonight, but due to conflicting, you know schedules we had to schedule this and i think i think my director is telling me that senator lewis has arrived and yes he's coming down the stairs good to see you have a seat yeah How's it going? Good, good. I was just I was just reminding the people to vote. Good. Make sure they get out to vote. I was reminding them that you won the primary. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, and thank uh, you for having me on the show. Oh, no problem. Before we get into that, I just for people who don't know around the surrounding cities who don't know Jason Lewis, just if people are watching that are interested in voting or they've never voted for anybody, just introduce yourself a little about yourself before we get into it. Great. Um, well, again, you know, thanks for having me on the show. I, I really appreciate it. I'm uh, State Senator Jason Lewis, and um, I have the privilege of uh, representing Malden. And uh, um, 
a number of other communities uh, that are in the district, Melrose, Stoneham, Wakefield, Reading, and part of Winchester. Um, I've served as the state senator since 2014 uh, when I uh, succeeded uh, Catherine Clark. And um, uh, prior to that, I was a state representative for about five years. And um, before that, I actually uh, worked uh, in um, the private sector and in the technology industry. Um, so, um, and some of the, uh, you know, issues that I've really, f- uh, focused on are certainly, um, local projects, you know, that, um, that are important to, to Malden and the communities I represent. I'm sure we'll talk more about that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> healthcare is another priority for me, you know, um, trying to make sure that people have access to, uh, high quality, affordable healthcare and keeping costs down, um, and, uh, strong schools, um, really fighting for, um, adequate funding and fair funding for our public schools. Okay, yeah, that's as you know, I'm a former member of the yes. of the school committee. So after I left politics, I took up this gig as a talk show host. I, I love it, and I, I get to have people like you and other you know either former elected officials or current elected officials on. So I'm very proud of that. Um, you've had so you've had obviously numerous elections. This is the first time you've been challenged within your own party. Am I correct for for this for this seat? Um, well, sort of. When I first ran for the state Senate, we had a competitive uh, primary election okay. back in 2014, and uh, we had a competitive general election oh, okay. uh, yes, that yeah. year. Yeah. Um, and then, um, and then, and then I, uh, this is the first time since then that I've faced a, um, uh, both a primary challenger and a, and a general election challenger. Okay. But I, I welcome any challenge. You know, I think, uh, democracy doesn't doesn't really work if um, you know if we don't have competitive elections and um, you know as an incumbent I have to c- make sure that voters know um, what I'm doing and that uh, you know that I'm getting uh, the job done and getting results for for the district and um, you know uh, having a competitive election is important to give people a choice. Okay, and um, I heard I I don't know I don't know the. I don't have in front of me the the numbers around the surrounding cities, but, uh, but cities and towns. But in Malden, why do you think the why do you think the result was close? Is it is it is is it two different types of democratic fact like factions in Malden? Because I know each each party has their you know this is faction on this side mm-hmm. and this side and mm. you know it's it's hard to know exactly. I mean I think. Um, there are different forces at work, you know, both in within the Democratic Party, within the Republican Party. You know, there's a lot of, um, uh, you know, a lot of people feel very strongly about what's happening in Washington. You know, whether reacting to what um, Congress is doing, what the you know President Trump is doing. Um, you know, things are a lot different, as you know, at the state and the local level. But oftentimes, yeah. you know, when we're in either the city government or state government, we get painted with the same brush, you yeah. know, as uh, whatever people like or don't like, yeah. Yeah. you know, about what's yeah. going on in Washington, which really isn't fair because it's completely different, you know. Um, but I think because particularly on the Democratic side, obviously a lot of uh, Democrats are, are very upset with uh, with, with uh, President Trump and, um, you know, and with what congressional Republicans are doing. So there's a strong desire to, you know, to, to, to see change. And, um, you know, I think even just being an incumbent, I'm seen as part of the current political system. And um, there's definitely a desire right now to, to, you know, to, to, to see change. Um, I think within the district, the people in the communities that kind of know me the best, yeah. um, for example, like Stoneham, which I've represented both as a state rep and a state senator, you know, I did very well in those communities in the primary because I think people do know me better. They've, they've, they know me personally. They've seen the work that I've done over the years. They know I'm effective in getting results. They know what my progressive values are. You know, in Malden, even though I've been the state center for four years, it, you know, this still takes time, you know, to yeah. really get to know people, for them to get to know me, have more opportunity to work together. Okay. And so, uh, speaking of Malden, I know the demographics, uh, 50, 50%, uh, unless it's changed, 50% of the registered voters vote Democrat. Uh-huh. 40% are unenrolled. And uh, around maybe 6% are registered Republican. How do you, as a senator, try to reach out to the other side uh, to try to combat obviously you know you're hoping that after the primary the democrats you know unite mm-hmm. um how do you reach out mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. like 
independents or people like me that are now registered unenrolled? You know, I mean, in a campaign, obviously, I do have to know, you know, what voters yeah. I'm targeting. And, uh, you know, when we I do, I, we're running a grassroots campaign, so we're doing a lot of door knocking and phone banking. And of course, yeah. we know, you know, voters and we know if people are how they're registered and that helps us in our targeting. Yeah. But when outside of campaigning, when I'm just doing my job. I have no idea, you yeah, know, whether yeah. someone is a Democrat or Republican enrolled. I, I don't don't know that. It doesn't matter to me. Um, I interact with people all the time, you know, for all kinds of different issues and projects and things and whatever party affiliation they have or whatever their politics are, are is really doesn't enter, you know, into it. Yeah, that, um, that makes sense. So yeah. I, I honestly really believe I work with everybody, you know, in the district that I represent. Um and most of the work, just like when you were on the school committee, a lot of the work you do is bread and butter. You know, yeah. it's trying to, you know, support the schools, you know, it's support local development, good roads and transportation, you know, try to make sure people have, you know, good services and health care, protect the environment. I mean, these are not like controversial things, you know, that are really ideological. Um, yeah. So most of the stuff that we that I end up working on, like day to day as a state senator, I work with a range of different people and it's not things that are even, you know, necessarily controversial. Have you, in a previous selected post or this one, have you ever had any? Ba- I don't know if I, I don't know if I don't feel catchy for this, but have you had any backing from endorsements from Republicans that have come out, either colleagues on the Hill in previous elections? Uh, yeah, or? I mean, I think, um, you know, I think there's definitely Republicans who certainly supported me, you know, in, in, in elections. Um, you know, there's, it, it's definitely not, um, you know, uh, again, not something that I actively, you know, say that I'm, I'm, I, I'm, yeah. I'm only this side or I'm that yeah. side, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm, no, I'm honest about my my positions on issues. You know, I, I think voters deserve to know where I stand on, yeah. you know, tax policy or, you know, um, environmental policy or, um, you know, minimum wage or whatever the issue is. Um, uh, they deserve to know. But um, but again, you know, on some of those issues, I might, you know, end up agreeing more with, you know, uh, one set of voters on another issue might might uh, end up agreeing more with others. And my approach is what what do we need what what are we trying to get done yeah you know for the district i represent and the communities i represent and what do i think is the best way to you know kind of move 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 forward you spoke about uh we'll get into policy we you spoke you brought up a few different subjects uh healthcare yeah uh, your stance on that with i know i know there was a debate in wakefield and i don't know if there are any other mm-hmm. schedules how does that go about uh who who plans do, do each does does your team and your opponent's team get together and say, okay, let's do, you know, either one debate, four debates? How does that go about? You know, not it's usually not determined by the at least in my experience by the by the candidates. It's usually local organizations uh, in the district, and uh, usually it's local media for the most part. I have found that um, you know want to host a debate. Um, so, for example, um, Malden TV, you know, um, hosted a, a debate in the primary between okay. me and my primary opponent. Um, Wakefield uh, Local Access um, often hosts debate, and and they hosted a debate with myself and and uh, my Republican opponent in this in this election. Um, League of Women Voters is an organization that sometimes hosts debates or forums, but that's usually who it is. It's usually either a local media group um, or a local nonpartisan organization. It's not typically something that the candidates themselves would would organize. Okay, so we we brought up health care. Are there any mm-hmm. bills coming up the pipeline, or you know, what was what 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 are the feelings you're getting when you're mm-hmm. meeting the voters, or what are they asking you about any specific yeah. questions about health care? Yeah, I mean, health care, you know, super important to to everybody, right? Everyone it needs access to good health care. Um, I'm a big believer that um, health care should be treated as a human right. Um, I, I think that every person deserves access to the care they need, whether that's physical health, mental health, um, 
uh, oral health. Yeah. And, you know, in Massachusetts, we probably come the closest of any state to basically delivering on that because almost everybody does have access to health insurance, you know, either through um, uh, private insurance through their uh, employer or through their own um, what they're able to, to purchase or through um, the Mass Health program, which is our Medicaid program, or through Medicare. Um, and that's something you know, I think to celebrate. Uh, at the same time, we still have um, people are struggling with out-of-pocket costs, you know, that for their premiums and deductibles and things that are that are too high, and there are differences in access to care depending on you know where you which community you live in. So, um, a lot of what I have focused on is I chair the public health committee. Okay. Um, so a lot of my focus has been on how do we improve public health, um, how do we. Uh, increase um, uh, focus on on prevention and primary care um, because you know for example if we can bring down rates of uh, preventable chronic diseases like uh, heart disease type 2 diabetes stroke people are going to live healthier longer lives and we're also going to save a lot of dollars on uh, health care costs so um, that's been a lot of the work that, that I've done is try to support, you know, through policies and, and program and funding to improve um, prevention and wellness. A good example of this would be the Malden is Moving um, yeah. program, um, which is uh, I'm the lead sponsor in this in the state legislature of the funding for the um, uh, you know, for the Mass in Motion program, which is the state umbrella program that supports local programs like Malden is Moving. Okay, another topic you brought up is education. Well, you know, I, I you know mm-hmm. that was important to me for four years. The struggle we had when I was on the school committee was obviously funding. We didn't want to cut teachers. I know one year we had to cut two million dollars mm-hmm. from the budget, and we cut as much as we could without, you know, interfering with the classroom. And we had four hundred thousand dollars left to cut, and our option was cut $400,000 worth of teacher salaries or busing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we cut busing, and that affected out of 6,000 students only 110. But correct me if I'm wrong, what I was always told being on the school committee was the state, mm-hmm. and this is no blame on you, but the state as a whole never reimbursed mm-hmm. us for the transportation costs. I guess there was some, like, there were three types, you know, special education, homeless, and then the... Mm-hmm the two-mile radius within mm-hmm. the city. Any, any? So the state, um, the state does um, provide, um, you, know, um, you know, tens of millions of dollars to Malden for, to support the public schools, and it comes in, in some different um, ca- buckets or categories, if you will. Okay. But the main, as, as, you, as you know, Jerry, the main funding that the state provides is called Chapter 70 funding. Yep so-called, and there's a formula that was created um, back in 1993 when we um, enacted um, education reform in Massachusetts um, that sets that all up. And the whole idea is that, you know, we want to make sure each community has enough funding to support its schools. And obviously the needs in Malden are different than the needs in Melrose, which are different than the needs, you know, in uh, Wellesley or other communities. So the formula calculates First, you know, how much does it, does Malden need based yeah. on the number of kids in the schools, based on the number of uh, children that are English language learners that are lower income? Then it, the formula next calculates um, how much can Malden provide from its own resources, right? And then the state provi- is, is responsible for providing the difference. Um, that's what's called the Chapter 70. So this was a, this was a pretty irrev- uh, innovative thing back in 1993 when the state put this in place. We were leading among states, and it worked pretty well through the 1990s when the economy was strong and the state was able to put a lot more money into our schools. Unfortunately, it hasn't worked so well since you know, the early 2000s, and you know, the formula hasn't kept up with he- rising health care costs, which have outstripped um, what the formula assumes. Special education costs have been greater than what's been assumed, um, you know, technology needs, all these things, uh, you know, that have changed in our schools. And so what I've been tr- working and fighting for is to basically update and, and reform the school funding formula so that it would more accurately calculate, you know, what each of our school districts needs. And then in turn, what that would mean is the state would then be responsible for put, providing additional funding to our schools. 
Um, the see. challenge is that what we would be talking about is estimated to be somewhere between one and two billion dollars in additional money that the state would need to provide, and some of that would go to Malden, and some of that would go to you know Boston and other communities. But that's obviously a lot of money, and so the challenge is you know to figure out then you know how we would pay for that. Okay, when you when you uh, door knock and meet people in Malden, what other issues are, are you asking? them what's important to them or are they bringing up issues to you and if so what are some of the people in malden because i know obviously malden has different needs than let's yep. say reading or melrose what are, what are some yeah um it's definitely um you know a, a combination of things that i'll talk to people about you know and things that they'll they'll bring up with me that that's on their mind certainly uh schools is a big one you know people obviously very committed to having good schools and wanting to know you know what are we doing to support the schools and provide more funding and um, you know things like um, social emotional needs you know that students have and mental health and so on um, uh, transportation is another big one um, you know making sure the roads are better and and uh, are the you know that that uh, we fix the roads um, the MBTA you know is 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 so so important to Malden you know the obviously the orange line and what are we doing to improve the MBTA service and Good news is that we have new Orange Line cars that are being built right now and are going to start getting rolled out um, next year. And okay. so that's going to be nice. We're going to have new, brand new cars with new, uh, much larger and, and more capacity. And um, so there are some good improvements coming there. So that's important to people. You know, development, local development is another big issue. Some people, you know, want, are supportive of the development that's going on in the downtown, and they think it is helping to revitalize downtown Malden, bring new restaurants, new businesses, new jobs. Other people are a little concerned about, you know, how much development and um, also questions about making, um, having more affordable housing because um, a lot of the development is you know, it's market rate, so people are worried about affordability. You know, that's a that's a that's a tough issue to get the right balance there. I personally, uh, I don't support you know big development of, mm -hmm. of more of more apartments. Mm -hmm. I, I you know if it's for senior living, you know, mm -hmm. space, just like the the big. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard the big controversy up in, you know, the Malden Hospital sure. site. Yeah, the people are fighting. There's different groups that want this. I I prefer more of. Mm -hmm. You know, let it let it be more conservation. Mm -hmm. I, if I want in the downtown, I would favor more commercialized mm -hmm. businesses to bring in. Mm -hmm. That's how the money's going to be brought in. I feel, and eventually, you know, mm -hmm. we can have a new school because I'm sure people have said to you as well when I was on the school committee, a concern from the parents were the classrooms are overcrowded, mm -hmm. and you know, with people coming in and you you know more children coming in that kind of chokes out the mm -hmm. life of all the other services mm -hmm. like police department fire department um yeah. do you see yeah do you foresee a challenge malden some someday possibly either with the state help having a new school um well malden certainly was with the state's uh, state support was able to build you know all of the all the uh, all new elementary uh schools yeah, I remember, you know yeah, yeah. um what was that maybe 10 15 years ago now um i think i think almost so, almost yep. uh Probably twenty five years. It was that long yeah. ago already. Wow. So that's obviously the uh, all the the K through eight. Um, so um, you know that's 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 good news because in some of the other communities I represent, some of the school facilities are in really bad shape. You know, and uh, for example, we um, st I was with the Mass School Building Authority today visiting uh, Stoneham High School, which uh, really needs a lot of work to be rebuilt. But so that's good. But um, certainly, if enrollment does grow, then we we have to look at capacity issues. Um, I don't. I don't think we're. You know, I don't hear a discussion right now about the need to certainly add another school. Um, you know, it may have to be some. Um, you know, whether it's um, minor. Um, you know, capacity um, adjustments. You know, to, to okay. make sure we keep up for. You know, for now. I. But um, but I don't know that. I don't hear any discussion right now about you know the need to to actually. Go, you know, think about a whole new school. I know another topic you mm -hmm. mentioned was uh, minimum wage. Yep. In, in your opinion on that, I know your opponent has a different opinion, and there's all different. Mm -hmm. You know, because she's she's a small business owner, and I know that affects, um, you know, small businesses. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you? you know? Yeah, you know, I, I I get that, and I I'm you know, in addition to chairing the public health committee, uh, my other responsibility is to chair the labor and workforce 
Development Committee. Um, so I've chaired that committee for two years. And actually, my co-chair um, is uh, Representative Paul Broder, who uh, represents part of Malden, too. So we work very closely. So, you know, I've definitely spoken to, you know, a lot of different experts. I've met with all different business groups and labor groups about uh, issues related to wages and benefits and collective bargaining agreements and workers' compensation, unemployment insurance, you know, all these different labor issues. And spent a lot of time on that. And I do believe that, um, you know, the law that we passed, um, Governor Baker signed um, back in uh, May, which which is going to gradually raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour, is, is going to be good for, for Massachusetts um, and for good for our workers and our families and, and good for, I, I think, over time for our businesses too. That's not to say there's not, you know, any businesses that are going to have, um, you know, have some challenges. I think that, 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 that is true, particularly for some smaller ones that, you know, maybe are, are already, you know, struggling. Um, but there's a lot of evidence that, you know, when uh, minimum wage does go up, that, um, you know, th- those folks now have a little more um, income in their pocket, and that money gets spent in the local economy. Um, and so that goes back into the into the business community. The local business community supports local restaurants, local businesses. So that has a positive impact on local businesses. Um, so you know, I think overall, it's going to help by raising the minimum wage. It's eleven dollars right now. Again, it's going to go up over five years to fifteen. You know, that's going to help close to a million families uh, in Massachusetts that are earning minimum wage or maybe slightly above. And um, that's going to put a lot more money you know, back into the local economy. I think a lot of businesses will benefit from that. I acknowledge there might be some yeah. that are going to struggle a little bit, you know, but again, it's not going to happen over, excuse me, overnight. It's going to happen over time. And um, I think overall it's the right thing for, you know, for, for, for our, for our, um, our state and our, and our, and our economy, um, you know, and, um, um, you know, we'll we'll monitor how that's going as it gets implemented over the next few years. We we did raise the minimum wage um, from let's see, it was eight dollars an hour to eleven. Um, you know, over the past five years or so, and um, you know, we have the, one of the strongest economies uh, in Massachusetts in the whole country. We have um, historically low unemployment rate right now. You know, it's lower than we've had in forty years. Um, you know, people's incomes are finally starting to rise uh, at the lower end of the income scale. And so, you know, we've seen a lot of very positive things happen. So, you know, I think, again, as long as we don't r- doesn't go up too fast um, and it's reasonable, I think it'll work out, uh, work out for the best. Another issue, I, I think this I think the subject fizzled out because when I was on the school committee, I fought against um, Common Core and I was outvoted. Eight to one. Mm-hmm. Um, my personal opinion is that the, the government should, you know, stay out of mm-hmm. the school system. And you you may have a different opinion, um, but I, I remember going up while I was on the committee, going to visit uh, Senator Bruce Tarr, mm-hmm. one of your colleagues on the other side, yes. and he said there was supposed to be a vote. I to be honest, I I think something happened with yeah. correct me with with the with the petition, or there was not enough. Signatures, but that that whole, to me, that whole topic just fizzled out. <laughs> You're right, Jerry. It, it, well, what happened was, so we back in that 1993 law that I was talking about that created, um, you know, the whole school funding system. It also created an accountability system by which we would un, we would kind of have a way of measuring how our schools are doing, how our students are doing, and that created the MCAS, you know, that our students take in third grade. M- fourth grade, whatever, a bunch of different grades that they that they have to take the MCAS. And the MCAS has kind of gotten kind of old, you yeah. know, and needed to be updated. So there was a plan to move to the Common Core, which was basically going to be a, something created by many states and it would be shared, you know. Yeah. And there was ba- some backlash about whether that would be bringing standards down, you know, in Massachusetts. We pride ourselves on having some of the best, best schools in the nation, very high standards for our students. You know, we didn't want to backslide. So that was why there was some pushback about that. And then so there was um, a, a, a change in the plan, basically, and the decision was to not go with Common Core, but to essentially roll out MCAS 2.0. 
So that's what happened. The the state basically designed a new, uh, essentially an updated version of MCAS. It's 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 online, so students yeah. now do it online. It's more focused on problem solving, less on you know kind of um, any kind of memorization, which I think is a good a good thing. And that's what's been now rolled out. So that's essentially what we're using, and will be using in the future to evaluate how our individual students are doing in terms of progressing and how our schools are doing. One of the things I am concerned about, though, is I think we the pendulum swung too far to toward too much testing, and I think we have to sort of sw- swing that back and, and have a, a balance. You know, I don't think we want think, I don't think we want to get rid of it entirely, but I also don't think we want to have students, you know, s- spending hours and hours and hours, you know, just just taking tests. That's how, that's tests. how I, I yeah. always felt. I mean, mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the children. School is supposed to be a, a place to explore and not <laughs> too many too many tests. You want them to love learning, yeah, right? Yeah. And you want and you want to have enough time for art and music and recess and 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 you want kids to enjoy it. So yeah, I think I mean we I think we went a little too far with that. And and I'm glad to see the new um, commissioner um, of elementary and secondary education. His name is Jeff Riley, and I was just with him recently. And um, he has uh, I think he has really good ideas about um, you know trying to shift that you know scale that back a bit and uh, support our teachers and um you know promote really good teaching and and love of learning okay i'm trying to think of from from your debate or people just asking um the opioid crisis Mm -hmm. i know it's malden is not just the only community in this district or in the state but it's it's all over the place how do you yes any plans to it's devastating. Yeah, it's devastating. I mean, one of the the hardest conversations that I have to, you know, that I have is 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 talking to, you know, a parent who's lost a child or, you know, uh, somebody who's lost a, you know, a close friend. Um, and so you know, the first thing I think is we have to uh, understand that addiction you know, is not someone's moral failing. It, it, yeah. it, it's 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 an illness. You know, it is it is a chronic illness. It's an illness of the brain. It's a mental illness, and people need help. You know, and we need to make sure they get treatment. And also that uh, because it's a chronic illness, you know, you kind of are you have it for the rest of your life. That we need to support people who are in recovery. You know, and help them stay sober. Um, we have passed a number of laws. We've worked closely with the governor on this. Um, it's been very bipartisan. We've worked closely with um, law enforcement and our hospitals and our um, community groups like uh, Malden Overcoming Addiction, you know, has been a fantastic partner. We've done a lot to, um, you know, to provide more treatment beds for people, um, to put more prevention resources in the communities, um, to cut back on the prescribing of opioids um, so that there's not a lot of excess pills, uh, you know, getting onto the street. We have a very good electronic um, prescriber system now that we can you know, track when, when prescriptions are written, uh, make sure that people aren't pill shopping, um, you know, take back programs, um, um, a lot of programs to kind of reduce the stigma associated with addiction. So all of that, I think, is helping. You know, we still have a, a big problem, and we still have, you know, unfortunately, people who are overdosing. We are trying to crack down harder on fentanyl, you know, which is this really, really powerful opioid and try to crack down on the, on the trafficking of fentanyl. Um, so that's, I think that's helping. Um, locally in Malden, um, one of the things I've been working with, um, with Paul Hammersley and, 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 and the other folks at Malden Overcoming Addiction is to open up a new recovery center um, here in the city. And the good news is in the state budget um, that we just passed um, back in, in June, there is um, new funding for the Department of Public Health to open up five um, new recovery centers in Massachusetts. Um, there's 10 recovery centers right now, and um, but the closest to Malden is, is, is one in Boston. Okay. And so that's a little bit too far, you know, for people who are in recovery, you know, to just to, to get to every day. So uh, the plan would be to open one here and it would serve people from Malden, Melrose, you know, uh, Medford, you know, uh, Everett surrounding communities. We have the support of um, our the mayor, the, um, you know, we have police chief, um, city councilors, um, you know, lots of people from local uh, Cambridge Health Alliance, you know, and from all the surrounding communities. And so 
the Department of Public Health is going to put out a request for proposals. We expect it'll be a competitive process because other communities want to open recovery centers too. But I think we're in a strong position, and that would be and – and what a recovery center is, for those who don't know, it, it, it's basically a place um, – it, it doesn't provide a clinical. It's not uh, for clinical care, you know. But what it is is a, a safe environment that people who are in recovery um, can go, on, and they can go as many hours they want, and they can get you know support groups there. They can get help with um, job training and employment because you know if, if you've been struggling with addiction, you may not have been employed. So to help people get back into the labor force, um, help with um, health issues, wellness issues. Um, you know, it could be all kinds of programming, you know, hobbies, different things like that. But it's all peer-to-peer. So people who are in recovery are supporting other people in recovery, trying right. to make sure they stay sober, they don't relapse. Now, who makes who makes that final determination if it's going to come into Malden? Is it the state or is it the city this council? Is, this will be a city uh, decision. Okay. So if this, the state's role in this um, would be to help provide funding. So, um, again, the money we have in the state budget um, is uh, to allow for it would probably be three hundred thousand dollars for um, for each of five recovery centers. And Plymouth really wants one. They really want one in Western Massachusetts. So there's a bunch of communities that really are competing to to this. And but that would provide most of the funding that would be needed to operate it. Um, but the decision about having it and where it would be located and and all of that that would be you know up to up to the up to the city. You think that's a decision that would be made? in the next coming months, or is that for next year? Um, it's been discussed already for about two years. Um, you know, it's been discussed with Malden Overcoming Addiction, with uh, the mayor's office, with the city council, um, you know, lo- local uh, police chief Molas, and um, again, with a lot of different healthcare organizations. So there's been a lot of people involved in this conversation for several years. And, um, you know, I think what I've seen is very strong support. Um, the evidence is from other communities. There's ten of these recovery centers now. The evidence is that that they actually help um, you know reduce crime and make the community you know just generally better off because people who have been struggling with addiction you know now have a safe place to go and help them to you know to not use drugs. Um, uh, so it's uh, it, it it's generally they're very supported you know by the community. You know people do have questions and, yeah. and obviously need to understand, okay, exactly how will this work and how are we going to be, how is it going to be staffed? And, you know, all of those are valid questions. And I think Malden Overcoming Addiction, which would take the lead here, has a, has a really good plan and, you know, has been thinking about this for a long time. I know when I was on the, the, the budget subcommittee of the school committee, I, I fought really hard to have more health teachers in the school yes. because each school, in my opinion, should have at least one health teacher and a former mm-hmm. colleague of mine started a program FAD, okay. Families Against Drugs. Yep. And I was a yep. member of that. Yep. It was a, an ad hoc subcommittee, and that was educating, you know, because sometimes parents feel uncomfortable to talk to their mm-hmm. children about drugs mm-hmm. and vice versa. So that was sure. a, a place, you know, each month we would rotate schools. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I wish I, I'm hoping that the current school committee is still fighting mm-hmm. for that. Well, actually, uh, what, uh, on along those, that's great what you were, what you were doing there, because um, we need to provide a lot more support, I think, to our kids. You know, I mean, this is when 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 someone ends up becoming having a problem with addiction, yeah, you know, almost always it starts when they're a teenager. Yeah. You know, that that's when they start going down this path, and it usually starts with you know alcohol, tobacco, vaping, marijuana. You know, that's. They don't start with heroin, you know, yeah. <laughs> and um, and and so if you, the more you can help kids to get the support they need, work on education prevention, the the, the healthier they, they, our young people are going to be, and the less likely you know they're going to develop uh, you know a more a serious addiction problem. One thing, so the thing that we've been working on that I'm really excited about, and where we um, it's going to be opening um, in uh, what, what month are we in now? October. So. Hopefully this school year it'll open is the Star Center at Malden High School, so it's going to be a full full um, school a full uh, health center, um, so not just like the nurse's office, but it'll be a full health center. They, there's one of these at um, Somerville High School, 
Cambridge High School has one. Um, Everett High School has one. There's, there's a number of them around the state, um, but we don't have one right now anywhere in, in Malden or this area. But it's a, it'll be a full health center. It'll be, it's likely going to be run by Cambridge Health Alliance. So it would offer um, primary care for students. It would offer mental health care. Um, as well, so that's really important. Um, um, uh, other services, you know, uh, potentially oral health, reproductive health, um, just generally a range of health services. You know, obviously not like um, specialty care, yeah. um, but a lot of things. And and having that accessible to students right there on on the campus of the high school makes a huge difference for kids getting the help they need, particularly around mental health. And we've seen evidence from other school-based health centers that they help, definitely help kids stay healthy. They improve um, academic performance and they improve graduation rates as well. So um, the city has been working to uh, for a while to to put a plan together. Um, there's uh, funding secured to you know build the Star Center, um, you know, and then we also got money in the state budget. Um, uh, for to help um, also um, provide for um, the operations of the of the health center. That's good. Um, yeah. I, you also mentioned uh, this is probably a, a very popular topic in Malden, marijuana. Mm -hmm. I mean, what what is going on in the state? Is is people are saying well, because obviously it's not federally, you know, legal right. in the country. In certain states, of voting um, mm -hmm. is eventually it's gonna it's gonna hit Malden and every other community. Mm -hmm. I know last year when I ran for counselor, uh, due to the survey we had, the moratorium, my ward, the majority of the people in my ward did mm -hmm. not want it mm -hmm. because especially, you know, with, with how places of worship and schools, mm -hmm. and I know other wards voted that they did. So what, I mean, what what is the plan moving forward with marijuana? Well, um, you know, we've had um, medical marijuana yeah. uh, for since 2012. And so there are a number of um, dispensaries that have opened up, you know, around the state that if you have a, you know, a medical card, you know, then, then you can go there. So that's been up and running and, you know, we've been expanding the number. Um, obviously, uh, in 2016, the voters did vote to allow for um, non-medical use of marijuana, just recreational use of marijuana. Um, the um, the combination of what the voters voted for and then some additional legislation that the legislature passed and Governor Baker signed, um, I guess, in 2017, um, that, has, that set a, a process in motion. And it is being essentially run by what's called the Cannabis Control Commission. So we have, um, uh, you know, we have the State Gaming Commission, which runs the, you know, to oversees the casinos. We have the Alcoholic Beverages Control Commission, oversees our whole licensing system for alcohol in the state. Similar now, we have this for for marijuana for cannabis. So that commission, by the way, one of the five commissioners actually lives in Malden. Uh, Shailene Title okay. um, is actually a Malden resident, and she's been doing a very a great job um, as a commissioner. So that commission has basically been working very hard since they were created um, late 2017 to put in basically put in place the entire framework and regulations for a brand new industry. And um, so they have been um, working to to vet applications for licenses. And they've just, just uh, in the last few weeks, um, finalized the licenses for several businesses, you know, that will be up and running, both um, cultivating, manufacturing, and selling. Um, in terms of what will happen specifically in marijuana, in, in Malden, you know, um, that's kind of the, will be determined by, you know, local uh, policies, um, although the city would not be able to ban entirely having marijuana businesses unless there was an actual vote at the ballot. You know, the, oh, I see. The, so, a referendum? Um, uh, that's right. Well, um, yes, because I'm just trying to remember. In, two, in 2016, I think Malden voters voted in favor of legalization. Okay. Right? So because they voted in favor, the only way that the city could could say we don't want to have any marijuana businesses, that, again, not medical, medical separate, um, would be to have another local ballot referendum. Um, and so I, I don't think there's any plan to I don't hear any discussion to do that, you know, from the city council or the mayor. So bec because of that, Malden is therefore required to allow a certain number of businesses. But exactly the, you know, which business they are and where they're located and other details like that, you know, the city has a, has a fair bit of, of control over that. And any business that wants to locate here does yeah. have to sign 
a host community agreement with the city. So um, they would have to work with, you know, with the city in order to get an agreement on a host community agreement. And the Cannabis Control Commission won't actually issue a license to that business until the host community agreement is in place. Okay, good. Well, now we that was the that was the tough portion. You you know did well. Uh, you can relax. These next questions are just something I've always wanted to ask uh, people in the state house. Sure. Um, two more years. No, actually, actually, yeah, two more years. We have the census coming, mm-hmm. and I think the results always come in what about a year or two after. So, uh, two so we do the census in twenty twenty. Correct. Um, and then I guess we'll get the results at twenty twenty one. Yeah, by 2021. My question is, do you think yep. that your dis- your district would change? Because I know it has before mm-hmm. because Linfield was once in, mm-hmm. and that was taken out. In your opinion, do you think it'll change? And if so, what, do you think anything will be added or taken out of the district? So the uh, short answer is I have no idea yeah. at this point. Um, but the way the process works is um, the census gets done. Um in 2020, yeah. you know, we do it every 10 years. And then what happens is all those numbers in terms of, you know, how many people live in, in you know, in every, um, you know, um, every neighborhood, every precinct, every ward, you know, in, in, in each city and town in Massachusetts, you know, all of that data gets compiled. And, um, and then um, the redistricting that happens is based on certain um, – uh, constraints or certain sort of uh, criteria, if you will. Like, for example, um, Senate, state Senate districts have to be a certain size, yeah. uh, you know, and state representative districts have to be a certain size. And there's a little bit of a range, you know, in terms of how many people, but they roughly have to fall within that range. And there's certain parameters around being contiguous and, and you know, so they're not, even though people do, you know, uh, talk about gerrymandering, you know, yeah. where you get these districts that are drawn in all kind of crazy shapes, um, and there are big problems with that. You know, generally you don't see that, you know, with state rep and state senate districts. Um, you know, they're generally kind of contiguous. Um, so, based on the actual population numbers, where population has increased and where it's decreased, then that determines whether any particular um, districts, either state rep districts, state senate, or congressional districts, have to get you know, uh, changed. Um, yeah. So if our state Senate district was, um, you know, was too small because it didn't have enough people in it, then it would get have to get, get expanded. And if the reverse was true, that um, it was too large, um, let's say the population has grown a lot more in this area than it has, say, in Western Massachusetts, you know, then, they, then it would, you know, have to um, uh, shrink a bit. Now, you have six communities under mm-hmm. you. Do you... All your other colleagues, they don't have six, right? It, like you said, it varies on population. It varies completely because every state Senate district has, again, the number roughly is 180,000 um, uh, residents uh, in, in, in the district. So we basically take the Massachusetts population, which is 6.6 million, divided by 40. That's the number. You know, I think it, would, it comes out to... Uh, oh, that's the that's that, how that's you get the formula. Okay. That's basically okay. it, right. And for state representatives, you take the total population yeah. divided by the number of state representative districts, which is 160 in Massachusetts, and then that's gets to like 40,000, I think is. So, um, so you know, if you live, um, if you're a state senator who represents uh, who, uh, Boston, y- your entire district would just be part of Boston, right? Because Boston obviously has more people than yeah. 100,000. If you're if you're a state senator for uh, Western Mass, you're going to represent you know 30 or 40 different towns because the population's so small. So uh, you know it's, it's it's interesting. I have colleagues in the state senate, some who are just represent one large community. They you know just represent Worcester or yeah. they just represent part of Boston, um, or maybe they represent two you know, two communities, and then um, others like myself who represent, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight um, cities and towns. And then, in, again, in, as you get further into Western Mass or down on the Cape, you know, they they, they have to cover a very large uh, geographic area. So it's the same uh, it's with quite that different. Malden has mm-hmm. three, as you know, three state reps. One yes. has one precinct. Mm-hmm. Another one has four precincts, and the 11 is with C. Valtrino. Yep. And that could, right. that could possibly right. change too. Obviously, we that's don't, right. You know, I know Linfield was that. That you know anything the, is. The, and by the way, the way it's done is there is a committee 
that's created um, specifically for redistricting. And um, the Senate has a committee, the House has a committee, and um, they, you know, there's a whole process they go through. But based on the census, they typically there's public hearings and a lot of, you know, m maps uh, that people, um, you know, the public has a chance to see it and weigh in and ultimately then make decisions about what the district. Now, the other half of Winchester, where does yep. that fall? Um, so, yeah, because I technically represent only half. Um, the other half is represented by uh, Senator Pat Jalen. Okay. And so her district is uh, mostly Medford and Somerville, and um, and so oh wow that's a, that's a yeah, yeah kind of a, a funny yeah, Medford Somerville and uh, I think a little bit of Cambridge too. So, so sometimes it, it is a little weird, like why you know it's split certain ways, and um, um, it just the way the lines were drawn, you know, in the past census. Is that a uh, um, an old myth that it's the party that? Controls the state house will gerrymander their, their way. So. I mean, it, it is it is it is it is a fair point. You know, I mean, if um, since again the the, the um, as I mentioned, these committees are set up. You know, um, since Democrats do control the the legislature, that they're going to be the ones that are going to chair the committee. Um, just like any committee, there would be Republicans on that committee as well. Like when I chair the public health committee, I mentioned, or the labor committee, there are Democrats and Republicans on the committee. But um, but it is true that the leadership of the committee, um, you know, is 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 a, is a Democrat. So the same would be true for redistricting. And how many members are on that committee that you chair? Um, the, the the committees that I chair, um, public health and and labor, are what are called joint committees. So there are both state reps and state senators on the committee, and uh, in total, it's about uh, what do we have? About six senators and about twelve reps. So what is that? About eighteen. So yeah, somewhere between somewhere between fourteen and eighteen that would serve on a joint committee. And, and examples of other joint committees are the education committee, the transportation committee, economic development, um, small business and community development, municipalities. You know, these are all um, uh, you know uh, um, different joint committees. And so joint committees means that there that there's a Senate chair and a House chair, and they work together to evaluate all the legislation that's in the you know, in that um, area of, of, of uh, that topic area. And then the committee makes, you know, has public hearings, um, analyzes the legislation, and then makes recommendations about which bills to move forward or not. Okay. So those are, and then, so those are the joint committees. And then the Senate and the House do have some of their own committees that are, uh, that are only within that branch. So, for example, the redistricting committee would be an example of that. Um, something called the Ways and Means Committee, you know, which is the committee that does a lot of the work on the budget. For example, those are separate between the House and Senate. Okay. Now we focused we focused primarily, obviously, on Malden because we want the viewers of Malden to to watch this and make a decision. But just so the people know what you deal with. What is one quick, if we could flash around the rest of the mm -hmm, district, mm -hmm. a community, what, what is like a primary concern, let's say, like in Melrose compared to Malden? What are they? What um, are so Melrose, the, uh, probably the single biggest issue right now is uh, school funding. Okay. Uh, you know, Melrose as, um, you know, uh, you know uh, it prides itself on good schools. Um, a lot of young families have been moving in, just like Malden, too. And... Um, they are very concerned about, um, you know, that they that they need more funding for the schools. So, they tried to pass a, an override, you know, a local property tax override, a couple years ago, which was not successful. They are now going to be trying again, most likely. So that's a big, big topic um, in Melrose right now. Uh, Wakefield. Uh, Wakefield. Um, I would say a big issue there is local business development. Um, you know, uh, how to encourage more um, development in the in the downtown. You know, right along Main Street, um, and you know how to get um, some new um, businesses, new restaurants. How to improve the um, the look and the feel. You know, the aesthetics of the some of the same kinds of things Malden's doing. You know. Um, uh, things like complete streets, where you you know you you um, improve the 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 sidewalks, you know you add more um, pedestrian amenities, make it safer and easier for people to cross. You know ways to sort of support downtown revitalization. That's a big uh, issue there. Uh, In fact, we've gotten some funding to help uh, help with that effort. Reading, where your opponents from? Um, Reading. Um, you know, they actually had the same challenge as Melrose in terms of school funding, and they and they actually just recently did pass an override. 
um, to support the schools. Um, so that's, uh, you know, but that was quite a contentious battle, unfortunately, you know, overrides, um, uh, can be very, you know, contentious. Um, St uh, Stoneham? So Stoneham uh, trying to, uh, to uh, build a new high school. That's the big issue there. Um, there's a new middle school that was built a number of years ago I was involved in, but now the, the high school is, is, uh, is badly in need of being rebuilt. Um, same issue in Wakefield, actually, also need a new high school there. So those, those are major projects. Win Winchester. Um, new train that. station. Okay. Uh, big big issue there is uh, one of the there's a commuter rail station that um, uh, is literally the concrete is falling down <laughs> from the uh, from the platforms and the and the ramps and um, we're trying to work with the MBTA to, to rebuild the train station. Okay, yeah, that's so uh, that 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 covers <laughs> that covers your six. We have five, five minutes left. This flew this flew by. <laughs> wish I had more time, but uh, do you want to give uh, a closing statement to the people of why they should vote for Senator Lewis in November? Uh, well, thank you again, Jerry. I appreciate the chance to chat with you, and uh, I think we covered a lot of good issues. Um, you know, certainly uh, what we do to support our schools, um, you know, affordable health care for folks, um, how we support working families, um, local, you know, local economic development um, that are, you know, it's very important to Walden and the other communities I represent. I think, you know, what I would say to folks is that it's, um, you know, great privilege to serve as um, as state senator uh, for, for Malden and, and the 5th Middlesex District. Um, you know, I believe I've been effective in delivering results uh, for the for the community and working very well with um, the rest of the delegation with the you know the mayor city council school committee a lot of local organizations have built a lot of strong relationships and all of that is helpful in you know getting results and some of the specific uh, things um, some of which we've talked about some of which you haven't you know that are in terms of some accomplishments here in Malden um, you know, we mentioned we're going to secure funding to open a, a health center at the high school, which I think is going to make a big difference for our kids. Um, we've secured funding and a plan to rebuild the Fellsway Highland uh, intersection um, over in Ward 3, and that's a very treacherous intersection. Um, you know, kind of seems like a rotary, but it's not, yeah. and um, that's a million-dollar project that is funded and we're moving forward with, uh, with the Department of Conservation and Recreation. Um, we've also talked about the recovery center to help with uh, those uh, individuals uh, struggling with addiction that's going to be a really important project for the for the district um, also have secured uh, funding uh, to support the art line uh, which is a project of Malden arts and probably everybody's seen down on Exchange Street the beautiful mural um, that's going to be um, you know uh, further um, you know uh, expanded over time and very happy to have gotten some state funding to support that project. Um, also been very supportive of Housing Families, which is a, a local nonprofit, does a lot of great work with families. So these are a lot of local uh, issues, and, and you know, my, I'm going to, if I have the you know, privilege of being reelected, I'm going to stay focused on you know, what the local needs are of Malden and the, the district and serving those as much as possible, and then in addition, you know, trying to make sure we... On, on big issues like transportation, healthcare, schools, you know, environment, we continue to to, to you know to be uh, um, you know uh, uh, what I believe is a, the leading state in the nation on many of these um, on these on these uh, issues. All right, so uh, really quick, if people want to get a hold of you, uh, how do they? You have a website. Yeah, we do. Um, actually, um, there's uh, senatorjasonlewis.com, which is um, for people to stay up to get up to speed on what we're doing in the in the state house and legislative work. And then um, anything campaign related is electjasonlewis.com. Um, and I also, have, you know, I'm active on Facebook, Twitter, um, you know, uh, um, you you name it online, and really welcome um, hearing from constituents. Um, so people should feel free to call. You know, email, you know, uh, Facebook message, um, and I also have office hours um, every month in in Malden at the at the senior center, as well. And welcome anybody stopping stopping by to talk with me. Okay, so I just want to remind people. Um, I, I thank Senator Lewis. Uh, two weeks from tonight, Senator Lewis's opponent, Aaron Calvin Bachi, will be on. Uh, you, the viewers will get a chance and then make a decision. But most importantly, no matter which party you belong to. It's important that you exercise your right to vote in November. Just go out there. And 
who knows what's going to happen. People talk about a blue wave, red wave, any wave, just come out and vote. That's the most important thing. Can I add one thing that you I totally agree with you. It doesn't matter what party or anything people should vote. You know, that's the that's the strength of our democracy. And um, also remind people there's going to be early voting. So oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. Elections on November 6th, but if that's not convenient for you, you can vote anytime between um, October 22nd and November 2nd. October okay. There'll be early voting um, so folks can go and vote when it's convenient for them. All right, folks. Malden, good night, and I thank Senator Lewis. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks, thank Jerry. Thank you. Good night, Malden.